0: And welcome to episode 197 of EFFECT, our review of the year. I'm Matthew.
1: Uh, And I'm Dave. And my alternative title, which you obviously didn't see in the communication I sent you, was... No, I didn't. A million voices. Because I felt a great disturbance, as if a million voices were suddenly talking about gaming and then were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible is about to happen. So, uh our review of the year we have got uh a roomful, a zoom full of uh of our fabulous friends and patrons um to talk through some of the uh some of the great things that have happened this year i won't get everyone to introduce themselves at the start because that'll be a long uh, a long crawl of 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 hello i'm x and y but when you first speak just say a little a quick couple of lines about yourselves and um that'll be great but we've got 10 of our fabulous patrons here um we're expecting a couple more and we've got about an hour so i won't waste any more time um blathering on at this point so we've got I've some gone, a little
0: bit more time because i'm just messaging the two that haven't turned out to
1: okay me. so we <laughs> so we so we're going to have a bit of an open conversation but we've got some prompts that we are going to use to uh to to, to kind of kick off um our conversations and these are prompts that we've been thinking about um and there's three of them as I said prompt and prompt number one is what game have you bought but you didn't play or even read yet uh this year prompt number two what's the best demo game you've played in and prompt number three what's the best setting now, actually, I think we did say on prompt one that you could go back as far as you like. If there's a book on your shelf that you've had for 20 years and you never read it, that can be your answer to prompt number one. Ah, So, Matthew, have you finished fiddling about and have you got anything I, else to I say? I finished. I'm getting
0: a response it? from Thomas. But, Aaron, I'm going to go to you first because um, you told me you had an answer for prompt number one. What is the game that you have bought, but not read yet?
2: I'm embarrassed to say it's Nibiru. Oh. Uh, ah. I was so excited for it to come out and it, it sits on on my bookshelf, just waiting for me to read it and run it. And I have not yet.
1: I got the um, the quick start, Oh, was it three years ago, the Dragon of the Beat? Or maybe even mm. four, possibly. Uh, and never looked at it, frankly, apart from that first five minutes. Uh, it was it was experiment. your interview that made me pick it up. Oh, cool! So, what? Um, dare we ask what's got in the way, Aaron? Of uh, uh, the rest of the Nibiri?
2: bookshelf, honestly.
1: Um, okay, <laughs> just
2: it's it's a case. I'm sure plenty of you guys are going to say about the same thing. It's just too many games, too little time, and this is just the <laughs> one that fell by the wayside.
1: Nope. And what was it then that? in in a couple of lines if you can then just for those people who might not be familiar with nibiru what was it that that hooked you on the idea of that The
2: idea that the game was built on building your character based on recovering lost memories of a past like that you start out as an amnesiac and you slowly build your character based on memories that just seems so evocative to me
3: mm.
1: yeah I like that as a, as a as a key theme yeah.
0: Although it's worth pointing out that our friend and patron, um, who do Neil Craig, 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 Craig yeah. thank you. He has another game like that that you can also buy and put on your shelf, or as it's read. a PDF, most <laughs> easily to you, you can just keep it on your hard drive. Um, but it is another one where you build up your your memories. Um, uh, somebody else, I think, you had a question or had an answer for this was Douglas, one of our more recent uh, patrons. Welcome, Douglas. And welcome to the call
4: and the podcast. Thank thank you so much. Um, I I guess there were two, and I really had a hard time. One was Mothership, and that was just because it was so awesome. Uh, It was advertised really, really well. And I've been in the space kick, and it encouraged me to get uh, kind of more books and more PDFs about Um, ship design and ships and stuff so I picked up Traveller and it literally literally has not been cracked open it it costs $74.99 Canadian and I literally have not opened it since I got home because as soon as I got it I started looking at Coriolis.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well um, no harm in that Douglas no harm at all although um andy may uh, may disagree <laughs> <laughs> and andy is being um unusually quiet and just uh his oh. shoulders in dismay so well done Andy. yeah well I, done. I told him if he says anything out of place
1: time. we'll just boot him off the call anyway so um, <laughs> i think if you don't mind i'm just going to jump in very quickly there and say because i've done something very similar and the game that I haven't ever played or even read is this one. It's called Outbreak Undead. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I got this at the same time that I got Mutant Year Zero back in 2017. And I got them both as to give to my wife to give to me as Christmas presents. And I looked at Year Zero first and I never got as far as this. I'm sure it's very good, <laughs> but um, it's still on my shelf. I still haven't read it. Uh, yeah, that's probably my oldest one, I suspect.
0: And Frank... I think you had
5: an answer for this. I or do. Or a few yeah. answers. Uh, I, I'm only allowed one answer, apparently. Um, yeah. So I need <laughs> to a shot. You can um, be
1: freeform, Frank. It's fine. Go wherever you want. Yeah, well, we don't I've want to control the too of much. stuff
5: I've got. And it's a bit embarrassing sometimes, especially when the wife looks at the stack of shame there. But it's uh, the one that stands out for me. Is, really, is that what she calls um, you?
1: That's, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: No, it's a Fallout for me uh, because I really was very excited uh. to actually get it. And I'm still excited. I love the graphics design and so on. But um, I'm looking at potentially starting to play that in the next first quarter next year. But I haven't actually read it at all yet. So for me, uh, coming from the computer games especially, that was one of the things I was quite excited about and so um, i'm
1: exactly yeah. in your boat with that one frank completely and utterly exactly the same place Well, if i've got a it, gm definitely... who's very
5: very keen um to run it in german so you can join us if you like
1: i might have to need to brush up my german <laughs> <Somewhat>. <laughs> i know one phrase which i won't repeat here okay good, good. um
5: uh, yeah i can probably guess what it is but no um yeah i'm really looking forward to it i'm going to play a uh, mr handy we decided that much ah cool so handy andy Anyway, that's uh, as I said, my allotted time. So, I'll speak to you later.
1: Now, one thing I really this like about so I just one thing I Carry really on, like Dave. about Fallout is the little book of uh, of character sheets you get with it. Just reminded me of the good old days of of AD&D in the eighties, where you'd get your big book of character sheets and you could just then start working on them, and it just yeah. gave me a real nostalgic blast. The starter set is beautifully made. Really I have nice. To say.
5: Mm. And the big D twenties as well.
1: So I haven't got those out of the box yet. <laughs> size. They're still in the box. Yeah. Cool. Who who wants to um, go next? Matthew, have you got another what another contribution lined up? Oh no, I'll read all the books, mate. Yeah. No, no. no <laughs> he lied. Yeah, well you read them when you're <laughs> GMing them, don't you? That's what you do. <laughs>
0: yeah, just before, <laughs> about five minutes before.
6: Um, I make the rule. Uh Nicholas, you you have an answer. Yeah, this is a game that I have read, but I haven't played. Uh, which I think is uh belongs to a group of, uh, of very inventive games. Um uh, it's the between. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh it's by Jason Cordova. Uh he started writing this game and then figured I need to write a simpler game to understand how I should do this mechanic. And that game was Brindlewood Bay, which you might've heard of. Uh, we have heard, yeah. A, a deductive game of that. It's, it, it, I don't know if he invented it, but it has this fantastic mechanic of, for a, a game like this, when you're trying to solve a mystery because the mysteries don't have a solution. They have clues and then you work out and if you can logically work out the clues you find uh you solve the mystery uh it, it's fantastic and then the between uh is is about it's uh, uh this Victorian gothic horror setting so it's like reenacting a penny dreadful um uh, uh shows mm-hmm. uh, yeah cool really gothic setting Along with, and that it has layers of, of mechanics that really uh, fosters uh, role play. And and that, no, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I'd love to play it. But.
0: but you've got to read the rules first. You've got to read the rules first, yeah. Nicholas.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: oh it, it,
1: it makes me wonder what games are even better than that you're currently playing to, to not play that or is it just not finding a group
6: it, it it's about i mean the group and what are we playing now and we got to finish that and then someone else wants to run something and yeah you know yeah and also this is this is a particular game that i think needs a certain mindset uh, that is maybe not if you come from a more sort of hack and slash uh, uh Background. About. Yeah. Background, maybe it's uh it's a harder sell.
0: Should we move on to our next prompt? Or is that anybody we've got we've got a minute or two if anybody has a desperate answer for this question? And also, I Paul. think if you've
1: also guys, if you've got something to say to something, just chip in. You know, this is yeah. let's 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 try and try and make this. We don't need <laughs> to rely on Matthew to prompt us all to have a chat. So much more fun if we just chuck in when we feel yeah. like it. Oh, yes,
0: we, we are relying on Dave to tell us
7: to shut up though, so uh... that's fine. Oh, that. yep. Matthew, shut up. <laughs> Hi, um, so uh, I, I have a about four foot of, of, of books I haven't read so far this year that, that I've got, but uh, the one that stands out to me, uh, specifically is uh, The Wild Sea. Um, it is a power, like powered by uh, Blades in the Dark, uh, and the thing that really sang to me was the art uh, and the, and the premise uh, you are in a world that the forest is effectively overgrown the whole of the world uh, and you pilot chainsaw ships that basically chainsaw across the top of the uh, tree sea basically, uh, which just <laughs> sounded amazing <And> the art <laughs> The art in it is just really really cool. It's a sort of landscape sort of book, uh, and it's Blades in the Dark, and I, I quite like the Blades in the Dark um, rule set. So, yeah, that was my – and I haven't had a chance to read it yet because I've got too many books to read. Well, that does look amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it is. It's great. Uh, you've got, like, a lovely GM screen as part of the um, – Well, that's the slipcase – oh, come on. The slipcase slip <laughs> is the GM screen. Yeah, have you got, have you got envy going on here, Aaron? <laughs> it's a beautiful game.
2: This episode's gonna cost me money. Yes, it is. Yes. I was just
7: thinking
4: the same thing. Mm. But it is yeah. Christmas, guys. Um, Come on. You
7: know. It's just yeah, it's just a, such a great game. Um yeah, but that's the, the one I really want to read and, and run. And Robin, I saw your hand was raised as well. Robin again is
0: a new patron yeah. and new to the, the show. So welcome, yeah. Robin. The-
1: Robert, thank you otherwise known I... as roger to me
8: obviously so sorry about that <laughs> <Yeah>. that's <laughs> right no problem i i um it's in the for me i bought <laughs> i started off um role playing with uh solo and i only started since i just uh just at the end of covid when i was nearly 70 and i um played nice. for Lands for a bit and i enjoyed it um i won't go into the whole story how i got part of a group but i ended up Buying the whole bundle of Simbaroon. Love the artwork. It's inspired some of the paintings I do. Um, oh, yeah. But, but, but I've not played it.
0: I've um, <laughs> not read the rules, etc. Right. Uh, so our next prompt um, comes, in fact, from one of our patrons who couldn't join us because he and his wife are having fun in Prague. Um, now. It is shocking. And there's a little tale behind this one. Uh, he he uh, said, and I'm going to have to go to his private message because what we put on the, 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 um, the Discord wasn't the whole thing. He says, first of all, first off, I'd like to say in all sincerity that Effect is the nicest place on the internet and I've never felt more comfortable in an RPG group. So uh, pat yourselves, all of you, on the back for uh, for being some of the loveliest people in the loveliest corner of the internet. <laughs> and he says, I'd like to thank Paul especially for the Marsh Bell, the one ring game. Really good gaming and helped my understanding of the rules, he said. So his question is, what is the best demo, sash- demo session you've had of a game that is new to you?
9: Yeah, so when I first read this question, I assumed we meant actual demo games at a at common con. And like many people, I haven't been to a con in four years now, mm-hmm. I think. But but more broadly, uh, assuming that's not the case, um, I also really enjoyed the Marsh Bell that Paul rang. Um, actually, and weirdly, I've GM'd the One Ring all year. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about it in Prompt 3, but... Um, it was actually really fun to see how the system worked. And Paul and I have both run a whole bunch of one-shots this year, which for various players and various people on this Discord, um, explicitly with the goal of playing games <laughs> that we had bought that we hadn't played so strictly <laughs> a prop one. Um, it was a very good
1: aspiration. Can I, can I just quickly ask, it was good. How, what was your target and how many have you made? How many have you played?
9: Oh, I had no target. <laughs> so many games that
1: I
7: will never run. I think I run five.
9: Yeah, I think, I think I've done seven that's or eight. Pretty good. Because going. I've got a I've got a whole group now who are committed to just doing um, two sessions for one game. So every two every month we play a completely new game off my shelf. Cool. So that's burning through. Uh, it's a good aspiration, but yeah, probably about ten or twelve, I guess. Um, but. Um, yeah, that's been really, really exciting and lots of fun because it's lovely to play these systems. Though Actually, the outstanding one was Worm, which I was very surprised by because it's actually a reasonably average um, rule set, um, but it was actually a group of players who just really got into being paleo-mythic um, characters and just <laughs> rode that way pretty heavily. There you go. That's my answer.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. And, Bruce, you said you had an answer for this. Yeah, well, like Thomas, I, I went almost with
10: uh, a con game as well. And going back to almost a year uh, when I went to Contingency and there was Paul Podolsky He was running, he ran Salvage Union. He did run D-Sanction as well, but uh, Salvage Union uh, from the quick start that they had out, uh, I quite enjoyed that. That was a, a mega game. I found it quite light with rules. I like light like, rule game systems. Um, but I must confess, I thank I the Kickstarter for it and I enjoyed it at the start of the year. But as the year has progressed, my enthusiasm for the games kind of waned just because it's not been delivered. <laughs> uh, but again, uh, hopefully that will change with their rise. And it was a great game and we all had good fun playing it, even though I'd seen victory conditions, gaming, gameplay of it. It was a good it was a good game of it and really enjoyed it and we all had a good laugh and played it
0: brilliant has anybody else got this i'm um i'm looking at you frank because you're waving
5: yeah i <laughs> had a, a enjoyable con demo game which was uh ruins of simba room actually and uh, our very own effect dave there. Um, read up on the rules enough to run it for us. And it was Just quite memorable. It took me his... a bloody
1: week to do that, to learn 5e.
5: It was, it outrageous. was good. It was It was really good. It was enjoyable. And it was a short session. I got to play with my kids and with uh Dido, with Mohammed, And it was very memorable the way he went down, went basically down in one hit uh, into minus 15 hit points or something like that. Uh, so he, he very was... much. I haven't played it since I've got it still shrink-wrapped here, the Runes of Simba room and so on. But um I really enjoyed that demo session. So thank you, Dave.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Because that would have been my answer as well, I think.
5: <laughs> and you're the GM,
0: you arrogant. <laughs> Wait, let me not well, that. actually,
1: I haven't played many. I've only ever GM demo sessions this year. So it's a, it's a pretty narrow choice for me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I did really enjoy that. I really enjoyed the one ring that we did with you all as well. Um, but as yeah. I said on the Discord earlier, that a lot of that was down to the people uh I'm not so I'm still not such a huge fan of 5e but um I did enjoy I did enjoy running it in the simbroom world
4: yeah I I don't I don't do a lot of online stuff other than on my channel and and so and I don't go to cons so I bring the game to the kids and so uh this past summer <laughs> we demoed Um, A beta version of Professor Dungeon Master's Deathbringer, which is uh, very rules light, very OSR, uh, you know, four hit points. And I thought the kids might, and we're talking about uh, 12 to 14, I wasn't too sure if they would get into it because I said, okay, you're going to have about three characters ready just in case. But and die. they they were yeah you're gonna die and they yeah. really enjoyed it they were used to five E and they found it easy to understand easy to pick up and it was really fun
0: cool brilliant brilliant and I think I've spotted what you spotted Dave a couple of our audience have now got a answer to a uh, to prompt one as well so uh, uh, let's cut to well both of the Andrews actually let's go first to andrew cole
11: yeah my answer for that one would be the homeworld rpg oh yeah uh, that, that's the main one that i was really excited about and i did read the beta but i haven't read the actual book once it arrived you know i've been a homeworld fan since the original game in the 90s you know i still have my original copy here you know <laughs> '90s, <mid-90s. laughs> it doesn't run anymore on pc no, but i still no. i still keep it <laughs>
1: Is um the, the game? Is that a two D
11: twenty? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Because yeah, I've been and...
1: tempted to 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 just like impulse buy it for a little mm-hmm. while. And I haven't done because again, funny... it would just go on my yeah. shelf and not go anywhere. But
11: what's funny is that the at least the beta rules, you know, I, and I think they're pretty close to the official. It makes for a better rule set for Star Trek than the Star Trek rule set. Right. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: controversial. <laughs> uh... mm-hmm. Well, you know, I yeah, I won't, don't get me started on Star Trek because that'd be the next half hour gone because well, I love course, it and hate it in equal measure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the problem with this prompt is, as Andrew hasn't actually read the game, we can't ask him whether it allows you to lock on phasers. phasers. It, it exactly, does. <laughs> it, it does. E,
1: that's a key thing, you need yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has a laser, it does, though, does laser. it in, yes. in
0: the beta version? It did at least, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. Uh, And Andy Brick, you have an answer as well to the game you haven't read.
3: Vast Grimm, because um, Ah. there's a little tale attached to this in that Vast Grim is a tale of, well, it's based on parasitic alien worms. And I made the mistake of starting to read this book while I was sitting in a hospital waiting room um and there are various graphic pictures of parasitic worms in this book and there was a lady sitting opposite me and she just sort of as I was going through the book her face was going more and more to horror um, so I don't know what she was in there for I hope it wasn't parasitic worms but I was uh, did you think it was a, her like a, I think. a medical textbook yeah well I don't know <laughs> Um so yeah, bathroom. I I kind of put the book down after a while and I haven't actually gone back to it, but yeah. So yeah, don't read bathroom in a waiting room. It's <laughs> it's not a good plan.
0: Brilliant. Um okay, now uh the next prompt, and I think we might have time. Everybody's being so efficient. Uh we'll come to you in a moment, Terry. Uh, we might have time now to go on to our fourth <laughs> bonus prompt. So, th- so this is this, this is a this, but, a, this um... is a program
1: called Fishing for Toby. So we just keep <laughs> him on the line, never quite reel him in and let him say anything. This is a uh, uh, Toby, carry on.
12: So my my prompt for the demo game was to once again uh, sing Paul's praises because I really really enjoyed the game of Jackals that he ran for us. Um, it was a very combat heavy uh, scenario, it was two out, very short. But what that showed me was, so Jackal's, because I assume most people are not familiar with it, is um, Bronze, a Fantasy Bronze Age gaming. And it's a basic role playing, so Call of Cthulhu um, sort of system, so base, basic D20 or basic D100. But what Jackals did is add a whole bunch of things to give you uh, heroic combat. So uh, Mm -hmm. in addition to wandering around the Bronze Age and doing all the things you might be able to do in in Rune quests and whatnot, it also added uh, sort of larger than life, Gilgamesh, Achilles sort of level uh, combat abilities. And the scenario he ran for us was you know, go in, find where the lost children had gone. I just enjoyed the I just enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think Jackals is a cool system. And i thank Paul for running it for us.
0: Brilliant. Paul, you have to become the official demo game runner. So you better <laughs> read that yeah. stack of unread games and start demoing well, them pretty damn well, quick. It, it, Paul oh, did
1: uh, do a, it, a game it, it, of slay for us, didn't you, as well? So yes. that's another one tied yeah. to your list of games that you played for people.
7: Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 if I can just quickly prompt two, uh, my, my prompt two would be Die that Thomas ran,
0: uh-huh.
7: um, uh, which is a, effectively a, a, a it's, a, it's a game about playing gamers, going into, uh, uh, sort of like gamers being sucked into the game reality. So, it, uh, but it's it was very powerful and very good and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you to Thomas.
0: And and I think we're going to come to Thomas shortly because I know he's got an answer to our prompt three, which is what's the best setting that you have adventured in this year? So, Thomas, the floor is yours.
9: Um, So I don't play very much. i mostly GM, so my answer is going to be a GMing one, not a playing one. Um, And it was actually going to be Die, which was outstanding. And beyond outstanding, actually. It, it It is not a game I could do a long campaign on um, by any stretch of the imagination. I think it would just be more than I could manage. Um, but the prompt questions that were set up at the beginning of the session did an amazing job of getting people to kind of develop characters with real depth and richness. Um, to explain Die in possibly one to two sentences, it's Jumanji... Um, esque uh-huh. role playing um, where you're exploring your deepest psychological fears and failures as adults um, uh, through the motif of playing through uh, an alternate universe where you go into it as the characters so you make up the characters and then you make up your PCs that the characters are playing and then you play the characters and the PCs it's really elegant, it's based uh-huh. on a comic by Kieran Gillian um, and it's very hard to do that sort of thing well and it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I could not recommend it more highly if I tried. Mm. Uh and it was written by Rowan Ricker uh Rowan Rook and Deckard. have I got that right? Mm, Is it yep. Rowan Rook and Deckard? Yeah. It's, it's um, been, it's been published, published by them. Been yeah, published by them. So,
7: I think I think Karen Gillen actually did, because he's a gamer, he actually did write the, the, the game the, game system. The I think game. that might have helped him though.
9: So that was my um yeah, that was my standout for the entire year by Country Mile. And big thanks to the people who played, because it's a game where the players really have to buy in, in a major way. You
1: said, so you yeah. say, Thomas, it's not a game that you would want to run a long campaign in. Is it a game you'd want to go back to and play a couple of scenarios, you know, two or three oh, times Oh, I'd definitely day? use
9: it for multiple one-shots, so I'd have yeah. no concerns about running multiple one-shots with it. It's a little, actually, it's, it's not, like not, It's Alien. not too intense as a game, or? No, it's too intense. No, it's the opposite problem. It's actually too intense for a campaign, I think. That's, I would yeah, struggle that's what, yeah. to to build it up to that level. It's the perfect game for one-shots, and I think it would be very hard to sustain for a long campaign. I think the longest they talk about is sort of six to eight sessions, which I can imagine would be kind of it. But it needs an end. It's a game that yeah. needs an end. It has an explicit need for an end. Yeah, so, yeah, can't recommend it more highly. And
0: uh, obviously a lot of our listeners are fans of the alien game so uh you think if you like alien you may also like die is that
9: right if you're into the kind of if you're into the sort of emotional side of alien where you really invest in the characters and you lose your stuff but you don't lose it kind of in a humorous manic sense but you're actually really invested in your characters and those moments where they where they get faced with the ultimate, you know, sort of sanction, uh, and then they either survive or don't, but they heroically sacrifice themselves, whatever it might be, or sell out all their friends and press the eject button. Um, either one works. It's alien. Uh, then it's that sort of game, right, where you really are challenged to think hard about what your character would do all the time.
0: Hmm. Brilliant. Um, and Robin,
8: yeah, you I have um, an answer for well. I have. It's Coriolis. And um, Good man. Coriolis, because it's such a fantastic world to enter. Um, never played science fiction stuff, never paid much attention to it until I started playing Coriolis. And um, uh, through um, my brother and Paul Watson and co and Frank and Paul, we, we, we've played it quite a bit this year. Uh, and I set up behind me, there's my solo kind of set up for Coriolis and it's um just I just thoroughly enjoy it all it's uh mechanics are okay the core rule are a bit of a mess um and uh I you know I came from a um, 19th century wargaming world of of Northwest Frontier and gung-hoing nonsense uh, mm-hmm. and um I am I, um, I I can't understand why things aren't more combined logically into cheat sheets and (laughs) put there so all your tables are in one place so so I've done it I've I've done it for myself so
1: that's my (laughs) my Coriolis book so it's all there oh wow
8: yeah brilliant
1: I mean the setting of Coriolis is so good you'd think a couple of blokes would get together and do a podcast about it wouldn't
8: you (laughs) you would yeah
1: (laughs) that sounds like a good idea
8: they'd have to
0: be good though
1: That's true. there there is a gap Um, in the market for a good podcast about Coriolis. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's for sure.
0: We've been nominated by Paul, and we've been nominated by, um, well, by not Russell Crowe, who's nominated us in previous years. So the the the, need to nominate us again. But if you come back to N World in the new year, you'll be able to vote for us in their poll.
1: Should you wish to vote for a a podcast that. Is not filling the gap of a really good podcast about.
8: <laughs>
1: <laughs> effect, uh, I, I, about. To,
8: to be fair, I learned most of what I know about Coriolis apart from playing from from your podcast. So I think that's.
1: A, yeah. Well, thank you, but also, oh dear, <laughs> 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 that, that must be a, that must be bad. But yes, no, that's cool.
0: I don't uh,
5: know. I heard a now, Frank. I there. think
0: you've also got an answer for your favorite
5: setting as well. Yeah, I had the chance to play a um, couple of sessions of Troubleshooters, and I just really had a laugh in that session. Uh, it was fast and loose and cartoon sort of world. You just put yourself into the 60s. We were traipsing around London and so on. It was really, really good. And um, just at a way out of time because it was so flexible. You could be completely over the top, and it was all part of the story. So that was a really nice game I played there.
1: Troubleshooters fits under my prompt one. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> <Certainly. laughs>
6: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what do you think of the system? So I ran a game, and I kind of liked the world, which is the '60s, but all the best bits of the '60s and some of the '70s that are thrown in if they're good enough mm-hmm. '60s. Um,
5: but but I did find the system a little clunky in the, in in play. Uh, to be honest, I didn't notice that. Uh, we just played it, and it was very very easy. The the GM was great and we knew how to run it, he knew how to tell a story and so on. And then getting the story points for getting captured and all that sort of thing was quite fun. And then uh, we had a daring escape from being captured and then sank the ship we were on without actually securing a, a means of rescue, which was a daft. <laughs> But it was a really good game. As I said, we had a really uh, fun couple of nights.
10: Well, I was going to go with something a little bit different, it's not uh, a setting it's more system agnostic toolkit, I just recently got hands on the book, uh, the Herbalist's Primer uh, because I really quite like oh, the, yeah. uh, the PDF I quite like uh, for it, but the book itself published, is really, really great and it's given me not ideas just for one game, but the idea is of course this gives you all your botany and herbalism Uh, for it and though initially you're thinking this is going to be suited for witchcraft for your fantasy it can also work for things like liminal um, and give you sort of good backgrounds for using botany probably i haven't read anything i know i'm going to get pissed and and, and be told to go away and look at the books but maybe even your rivers of london could possibly feature in that if you're looking for if there's a witch involved uh, there's some really great ideas and toolkits for it. It's just everything for the poison, to the magic, to even the, the healing into it. Uh, and the reason I, I picked this book up was I played in a game, not this year, but the previous year, of The Great American Witch,
11: mm-hmm. uh, which is
10: a by by the apocalypse. And I, we were reading quite a lot in herbalism books. This would have been a great book to have and get my hands on. So as again, I've kind of cheated, but I would say I the system and Lost Toolkit really gives you gives you great ideas for other games.
3: There's a sequel coming. There's the geologist's uh, primer as well coming soon. Yep.
10: And
3: that, that will also be back. Um Well, the setting I was most interested in was Death in Space, to be fair. Um, it's kind of uh, a sort of track I've been on because I've done the opposite to Douglas because... Uh, Douglas has gone from, you know, Mothership through Traveler to Coriolis, and I went from Traveler to Mothership to Death in Space, if you like, (laughs) so it's the reverse track, but um, yeah, Death in Space is brilliant, I think. Um, It's a Mm. a dystopian dying universe with uh, a very dark sort of, I don't know what the term would be, I suppose grimdark is one way of calling it, but it's not really that. Um, It's a dark, oppressive setting, and I'm a sucker for a dystopia, as some people might know. Um, and it's just brilliant. I just love it. It's so cleanly done as well. I would also give a special honorary mention to *Salvage Union*, but I haven't actually run that yet. because I think *Salvage Union* <laughs> is, is incredibly pretty um, and really deserves to do well. Anyway, there you go. go I, on, I,
0: and I'm going to second your, uh, your, your love of death in space. I ran it it's so easy to run mm-hmm. uh, it feels uh and i run my home group so we haven't um streamed it at all but it has this this brevity of words you know it's it creates mm-hmm. the whole setting in just a few sentences and those yeah. sentences could be in the in the character descriptions they could be in all sorts of things but it builds a full universe with the fewest words possible. Um, yeah. Nicholas, I think you've got an answer for this question as well.
6: Yeah, and maybe this is a bit boring, but to me, uh, mm. the one thing, Middle Earth setting, is, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's it's something you, I grew up with and was sort of my big first cultural experience. And now to have a, a role-playing game that really emulates that uh, that whole setting so well,
9: I think it's fantastic all I was going to say is what I found the one ring really interesting because I backed it mostly out of homage um I bought all the art I'm looking at it right now it's hanging on my wall I got it framed mm-hmm. that's how much I loved it um the thing that's really struck me is it's completely converted me to running it which I didn't expect. So I bought it purely as an exercise in homage and spending more money than cents. Um, mm-hmm. But I've now run it for a year for my regular role-playing group every fortnight, and they won't let me stop running it to the mm-hmm. point where they complained, where I suggested I might want to do something else recently, and it was a significant, there was significant pushback from my players on the idea yeah, that we would I stop uh, running the one ring. So, no, I think it's been amazing. I think it's an amazing system. It's probably mm. one of the most emblematic systems and delivers the feel of the game so very well. Anyway, there
7: you go. Uh, yeah, I, I echo both both that. Uh, I absolutely love it. it's my favorite role playing game. Um, oh. I have run three multi-year campaigns in in uh, for three different groups. Uh, i'm'm I'm, and I'm running currently running. For a fourth group, another uh campaign that I've been running for a year now, a year and a half. Um, the, the One Ring is just the D best um licensed role-playing game ever ever written. Uh, there is no no other role-playing game, as far as I'm concerned, obviously, my, my view, uh, that recreates a a, a a pre pre-published uh setting better than the one ring. It's just brilliant.
4: Yeah, I was I was gonna run it with the kids for the after school program that we're doing. And I decided on Vason just because of simplicity. I wasn't too sure if it would translate as easily um, the one ring. But again, the the way that it weaves in the world and the world view and the ethic. Um, I, I I just I haven't played it. Uh, I didn't even play MERP back in the days when I bought it brand new. Um, but I I I I, did. I, I spent uh I, I ordered it from France. I spent a hundred dollars on the dice that that are out of print now. I think they're cubicle seven dice.
7: Yeah, they're cubicle yeah. seven. I uh,
4: <clears throat> I have these. I have the extras. I heard not that long ago that Matthew wasn't gonna. Get the the ones with the the you know the the, the corrected ones from the uh, TOR version, but I also have the other ones. I'm so keen on actually playing this game um, that I've invested in it. Now it's just a matter of playing it because it reads so well. Mm. And watching it uh, people play online is absolutely fantastic.
0: Hmm. I think you should at least run the starter set, uh, Douglas, for your for your after school group mm. um five adventures all relatively short uh and of course it really teaches you about the morals of the world so uh mm. you, you should do that definitely good,
4: good um advice. and
0: slightly simplified rule set as well um mm. so uh, so yeah look into that um aaron we haven't heard from you have you got a good setting
2: Vason, <laughs> that, that that was the one that i mean with my gaming group you know we were always trying to weave folklore like into mm-hmm. call of cthulhu and that type of games but we could never quite get it quite right but we we always loved it and when Vason came out i was incredibly excited it didn't disappoint and then now with the mythic britain britain and ireland version it's even better um mm-hmm. like it's just it it is that whole thing of it's the setting that i was kind of waiting for for kind of like that bridge between like you know Kind of folklore and fey that sort of thing and you know mm-hmm. horror like it's just mm,
1: satisfying mm. there is something so. about the book that just kind of almost you know like swallows you up just yeah. when you open it isn't it it's uh it's beautifully done yeah the yeah.
2: art and everything it just grabs you
0: yeah.
5: ah, there's, there's no point in sharing versions. this we're not
1: we're not streaming this frank no sadly not <laughs> But
5: the book is lovely. I'm just showing the you that that the the art book as well. That's all. Ooh, yeah, this is, this is got not the art rule books. book. Ah, the, uh, the art okay. okay. <laughs>
2: I thought you would recognize. Yes. That. No. Oh boy! <laughs> I don't have Get, the art book.
7: They
5: they they Get have the they undead have, have no, as
4: well. But th-
7: th- there's a not. <laughs>
5: no, <there's> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually almost bought the undead one. I came across the, it in Germany. Everybody showing off. That's so pretty.
0: Now, before we leave this subject, I just want to come back to you, Andrew. Andrew Cole, have you got a favourite setting? Uh,
11: My favourite setting for right now is The Forbidden Lands. That's the one I've played the most, and I just love it so much. Mm.
0: Yeah, I love it. It, You know, it it takes all the tropes of fantasy and then twists them a little bit so Mm -hmm. it feels original still. Um, Yeah, no, I love it too. Excellent choice. Right, we've got um we've got time for one bonus one. Um, and this is from Mohammed, our uh, friend and patron. And uh he is not on a show because he's having people around to dinner this evening. But uh, I'm sure he would like to hear your answers when he gets to listen uh to this prompt, which is what is your most favorite scene? that you or that others have role played. Now, I did ask when people um, suggested a prompt, they should tell us what theirs was. He hasn't done that though, so we will never know. I'm sure it's <laughs> when he died in Simbaroom or when you been. tried to kill him in Coriolis Day. <laughs>
1: the, the look on his face was, was, was a picture. When it turned out, he'd like taken three times his hit points in one blow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, like, so has anybody got an answer for this one what's yeah, your favorite
1: scene
11: my favorite scene was uh it was at the very start of a campaign for forbidden lands and instead of starting in the city we decided to like start in a little outlying village and adventure to the starting city to kind of just start the story but just the roll of the dice we got attacked by wolves right outside the gates of the city and the wolves got so many uh hits but they completely broke the character and then he (laughs) lost his leg like (laughs) before even getting to the town
1: before even starting the campaign excellent yeah before even starting the campaign
11: (laughs) and you know that was my character so we ended up just uh kind of scrapping that and turning those original characters into NPCs in the town, and then starting over with new characters. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I was I, I was a I was, a, uh, I was an adventurer until a wolf bit my knee. <laughs> yeah.
11: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
7: <laughs> Have we got any other favourite scenes? A lot of hands went up. Uh, Paul, let's go to you. Uh, uh, so to play very really quickly. Uh, last Monday, uh, I was running Torg, which is basically um, a multi-genre uh, role-playing game. Uh, I had basically an electric samurai. uh, an elven um, uh, archer was running away from the cyber cyber Pope's police. Um, They'd already lost two of their party members, one had been killed and one had been captured. And they were basically running and trying to basically running through the streets of Toulouse, um, uh, trying to escape um, the church police. Uh, When you're doing this, you're basically turning over cards that have got like certain things on. uh, And the final card that they had to basically get to the safe house um was a critical problem and with the critical problem they either succeed and everything's fine or if they fail they have to start again so in other words they have to start the whole basically thing again one person critically succeeded the other person critically failed so basically one person managed to get into the into the safe house and then the other one got cut off by the police so you Mm -hmm. got that we had that beautiful moment where the eyes um, of uh, the the two player characters sort of met, the one that had basically been cut off by the police realised that they had to run away so it was that, oh, I'll lead them away and you can get to safety sort of thing, just like that perfect sort of <laughs> sort of moment where they <laughs> nice. sort of, um, the cards lent into the role playing and the role played really, really well and then the other one legged off and then got captured so, this, so tomorrow night we're going to be playing the uh, rescue mission so that should be really cool Nice.
0: Brilliant. Um, uh, I think, uh, Toby, you want to see your, your hand yep. up?
12: Yeah. So um, I'm one of the, I'm a forever DM, but this year I have DM'd once and played in, I think, almost a game a week. Nice. And it's been wow. a really eye opening experience. <laughs> and one of the games I'm playing is. Um, uh, it's a Silk Road adventure. We travel the Silk Road of 1215 and trade and get into adventures and stuff like that. So a little bit Sinbad, a little bit uh mercantilism. But the awesome. my character met up with his dad in a in, in back at his hometown and brought his half-sister with him. My character is, you know, I, I decided I want to make a character that tries to talk his way out of every single problem. And so I, I basically can't fight. All I can do is try and convince people to do to do what I want them to do. And my character's father was uh you know captain in the the shot the caliph's uh army, heroic warrior, um, and did not risk so we had this great session where we my character talked to the his dad, and they tried to work out their issues with the half sister who standing there also, and dad is like totally pissed about half sister being brought back home. Like as he felt it was an insult. He's like disappointed in my character. And the GM and I had this conversation, trying to work these issues out through the medium of a chess game at the same time. So, you know, the, the, Dad started with something, you know, the GM describes a move. I respond with a move and describe, you know, it was this back and forth. It just was a, It was a great role-playing sort of um, drama experience. And most of my games that I've run in the past are more, way more plot-based. And so it was just a lot of fun and, and nice. really uh, meaningful to have that sort of drama, uh, a, a really great drama moment. Which was a new experience for me and really, really great. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Um, we're coming to the end of the program, but we do have time. So, anybody else got a favorite scene they want to share? Um, Douglas, I know you are uh, going to have to dash off shortly. Uh, be, so, you go first.
4: I'll be really quick. Uh, there's this super shy girl, uh, she's about 12. Uh, a boy who is a bit of a troublemaker in class uh, I've heard and she ended up uh bullying him through dice uh and role play um because she is a countess um he ended up being her Butler and <laughs> he and she uh demanded that he open up Sophia's uh, room uh, or Nora, Nora's room, and uh, and so um, he didn't want to do it because he was feeling guilty as a person that he had made this promise to Sophia not to allow anybody in the room, and the Countess bullied him. And here's this shy girl who just came out of her shell so much so that in the next in the next game we played, she actually took off her shoe and stabbed him through uh the side of the mouth and now he permanently because because she crit him and it was awesome she was possessed and it was great brilliant i
0: love that i love that so this was in the dance of dreams was it the vest and adventure in the uh,
4: yes in the core yes, book yes
0: yeah. uh, brilliant brilliant I think Aaron, I like- you had one as well i saw your hand go up it,
2: it's a little silly but i was running a demo of tales from the loop and um and i it was the summer break in killer birds like that that yeah. very first adventure and i had a group and they were completely into it to where at the climax of the game where the birds are all coming in and they've got the machine that's that's kind of controlling all the birds one of my characters who's playing a rocker his solution was they hooked up his electric guitar <laughs> to the machine, and he just belted out a riff, and it short circuited the machinery. And it was the most '80s ending I have ever seen. <laughs> our, our table at the convention was just belting with laughter. It was fantastic.
0: Oh, that is brilliant! Uh, that, that that's the way that Tales from the Loop should be played. Can yeah. I ask though? Was this before or after Series Four of Stranger Things?
2: Oh man, well no, it was it was before it because it was this was pre-COVID.
0: Brilliant. Cool. Brilliant.
2: Yeah.
0: Excellent. Um, anybody else got a scene? Uh, I
9: don't You're have just... a I have a. Oh, yep. No, yeah. you yeah, Um, it's, it's not a scene I was involved in, but I have seen an image of it, and it is uh, the proudest moment of my year. So I thought I'd mention it. Um, there's a guy <laughs> in Peru running Japanese Vessin using my expansion, and he nice. put it on Facebook. Um and he runs it for teens he runs it for kids on a program that he um, does at some park I know nothing about him other than he put it on the Facebook group as a oh I'm doing this and it's kind of cool and I was like that is literally the most amazingly cool thing that's happened this year since uh, I wrote that expansion and it was uh, awesome to see there you go that's mine
0: yeah no that is a great scene I, I love that I love that I love that you know that this community reaches around the world like that and that we can now do stuff where you can write a thing and put it online and somebody on the other side of the world well actually you're in australia so they're not that far away from you in global well, terms, just, the expense, still,
1: just the expense of the pacific ocean it's, it's not really- several thousand <laughs> kilometers
9: just to be clear it's, like it's, the English it's still channel, 14 was hours it? It's fourteen yeah. hours of flying, Matt. Just to put that in you know, some sort of context. You point, need you know? your, your <laughs> geography brushing up, Matthew. I mean, you know. <laughs> you Europeans and your one and a half hours to get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that.
0: Yeah, uh, and Bruce, you had one. Yeah, I'm
10: picking up, um, and, and you'll be sadly t- to be disappointed, Matthew, I'm not picking up Blade Runner and your Age uh-huh. of Darkness reference <laughs> and, and Detecting <laughs> Clues, but I'm picking uh, Knight's Black Agents, Dracula Dossier, which we are playing in a long-time game, or better known on the channel was Dicking with Vampires, as I like to call it. <laughs> and this was actually the first earlier scene where, we as players were trying to work out what can kill vampires because we were just doing the traditional thing. We just set fire to everything. But we then <laughs> thought, nope, let's try and see if we do it. So we're following up. We're at this archaeological dig. They're excavating. We thought, ah, there's blood packs here. It's to something. And we thought, well, we've got this holy water. And I'm playing a character who is from the Doctors Without Borders. This is his background. So we thought, well, what would happen if we syringe, sneak in, Put the syringe of holy water into the blood pack so make sure it's properly sealed up and when they feed the vampire what will happen it gets quite messy that's what <laughs> it's a very very good I, I read, well that works we'll be keeping this idea <laughs> <laughs>
0: cool oh brilliant nice um nice. well I guess I guess uh, that's where we kind of had to bring this programme to a close. And one of the reasons we've done this is because this episode will be going out on Christmas Day. And I think it's important to remember, of course, that not everybody celebrates Christmas, so it might be a perfectly normal Sunday to a bunch of people, and in which case they'll be looking forward to this podcast. But uh, those of you who do celebrate Christmas and those of you here who celebrate Christmas, I just want to wish everybody... Uh, a very happy Christmas. Perfect. Have we got anything else to say, Dave? Uh, uh,
1: only. Um, May, May the, eye the eye 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 icons. icons I adventures. No, <laughs> oh, <play. laughs> no, no, no. Oh well, out ten out of ten for trying, chaps. <laughs>
3: It's mostly uh, like yeah. having echoes. <laughs> <laughs> Just hear it tackle from
1: everyone. <laughs> but thanks for joining and Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry, Christmas. See you Merry soon. Christmas.
2: Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Merry
10: Christmas, Merry Christmas. Bye bye.
1: You have been listening to the Effect podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.